Our doctor is in, and so are the doctors of Capital Health. Welcome to the all-new Health 411. Every Sunday morning at 10, Dr. Jonathan Karp, along with our respected panel of guests from Capital Health, take you on an important medical journey to help you navigate your health and the healthcare system. To reach your destination, good health. Health 411 is underwritten by Capital Health. Minds advancing medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff, as well as advanced technology. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a National Association of Broadcasters 2019 and 2021 Marconi Award for Best College Radio Station. We are broadcasting from the Bronx All Digital Studios on the Lawrence Hill campus of Ryder University in New Jersey. Welcome to Health 411. I am your host, Professor Jonathan Karp. This Health 411 program is presented by Capital Health. In Health 411, we discuss a variety of issues affecting health and wellness, public health, healthcare policy, and the science of health and healthcare. Our goal is to expand your knowledge and perspective and give you something to think about, maybe in a unique way. Today, Dan Geller, our student producer, and I are going to have a conversation, um, and we welcome you to listen listen in. Today, we are going to be talking about dyslexia. Dyslexia. Have you heard about dyslexia? I have heard of dyslexia. What What is dyslexia? I feel like a lot of people consider it a mixture of um, you know difficulty processing words, uh, maybe speech, maybe reading that kind of thing yes you could feel yes your feelings are sort of right <laughs> let me read to you according to our home state of new jersey um what they consider dyslexia to be just and I'll, and I'll just quote quote dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurobiological in origin it is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities mm-hmm. These difficulties typically result from a deficit in the phonological component of language that is often unexpected in relation to other cognitive abilities and the provision of effective classroom instruction. Secondary consequences may include problems in reading comprehension and reduced reading experience that can impede growth of vocabulary and background knowledge, end mm-hmm. quote. So that, that's what our, our home state of New Jersey has adopted um, in terms of its education code, mm-hmm. in terms of dyslexia. Um, if you went and looked at things like like the World Federation of Neurology, um, captures sort of the same thing, and they call it a, um, a, a dyslexia is a disorder. And that, I want to focus on that word disorder. Disorder. In, in, in children, who I guess later become adults, who despite conventional classroom experience failed to attain the language skills of reading, writing, and spelling commensurate with their intellectual abilities. Mm-hmm. And um, does that capture what your feeling is? Yeah, I mean, I, that's pretty much what I think of it as. Okay. I just, you know, I know there's also the neurobiological component of it. Yes, there is a biological component of it because it does involve one's brain. Mm -hmm. One's brain captures certain kinds of information. Um, Dyslexia um, has a clear... Uh, genetic component, Mm -hmm. which means you can inherit whatever the the genetic influences are in brain development. I think we found three genetic, like three genes that are related to dyslexia, if I'm wrong. What did your research find out? That, that there was three. I I forgot their names. It's a bunch of (laughs) random letters and numbers. You know how it is. 
but there are three main gene markers of dyslexia that we've found so far. Okay, so it's so it's most like most behaviors or kinds of things. Mm -hmm. There's not like one gene, one behavior kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about uh, about uh, thinking about dyslexia is that um, I also found some data that dyslexia affects a relatively large percentage of the population. I think it's numbers like five to twelve percent. I've seen numbers from about five to twenty percent. Okay. So just for the sake of argument, you're looking at like one in five, one in six people yeah. have dyslexia. No, is dyslexia a binary thing where you either have it or you oh, don't? Oh no, there's definitely different levels of dyslexia. You could have very, very minor or have it, you know, severely impede your daily function. Cur well, um, well, especially what, what, in a day what, do you, what do you mean? Well, I mean it's just very difficult to read, and in a day and age where we're constantly reading everything, be that on a phone or on a road sign, you know, mm -hmm. it's difficult. Correct. Um, in your background, did you find out when dyslexia was sort of identified as an issue in people? I did. I think it was early 20th century, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the exact, the first time it was like codified and written about was actually 1896. Okay, okay. A British physician named Pringle Morgan. Pringle. Pringle, yeah. <laughs> you, you can name your first son Pringle. I shall. Um, he described a case of congenital word blindness in an otherwise intelligent um, boy. Um, and that boy had developmental difficulties with reading and spelling. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was the first to postulate an underlying congenital problem mm -hmm. for, for this sort of condition. But so I want to point out, so it's 1896, roughly 1900. Um, in terms of, so human existence, mm -hmm. right? Do you think that uh, what we now call dyslexia um, is, is, is something that is a new thing or do you think it's a very, very old thing? Well, I'm sure it's been going on for all of human existence. I just think that, you know, thousands of years ago, well, before like people had written language, it wasn't a problem because where you get to see the, you know, the divergence. But now that everyone's reading, it's coming out more, well, it's come out more and people notice it. Well, that's, that's okay. So I'm going to say it in a, in a different sort of way. Humans have been around for a long time, yes. right? The, the need to read and write is um, unlikely to have exerted any sort of evolutionary pressure mm -hmm. on people because you're taught it when you're first studying biology is that genes that have value are, um, have some sort of value in terms of survival or value in terms of reproductive fitness are passed on from generation to generation mm -hmm. to generation. And genes that are um, bad, deleterious genes that don't provide some sort of fitness benefit mm -hmm. are lost, right? They're not propagated and, right. and, and things. You've heard of that before. Of course, You've of course, natural in, selection. In all your yeah. So in the context of sort of human existence, um, the technology of writing um, is a you would one could argue and a lot of people do argue is a relatively recent invention, correct? Quite, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, for sure. Correct. And so, in in, in terms of, it's really only the past couple years that a couple hundred years that most of the humans out there can actually read or train right. train to read. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, in terms of, when did Gutenberg invent the printing press? No, oh, I have no idea. Late 18th century, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago, but that's when books and reading became probably widespread. Mm, Before right. that, it was like hieroglyphics, writing on tablets, and yeah. Things like that. But it was really the invention of the printing press, um, whenever that was, that sort of allowed books and reading to be 
sort of promulgated and a lot more and more people mm -hmm. started to read and knowledge started to be passed on that way. So that suggests to us that if something has a relatively high uh, prevalence in the population, you know, one in five, one in six people mm -hmm. have what we now call a disability called mm -hmm. dyslexia, right? Here's a disability that didn't exist until the written word right. became very common, became uh, propagated. Even after that, it was only been the last couple hundred years where the majority of people, humanness, um, have the ability to read. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's unusual now to meet somebody who doesn't know how to read. Yeah. There, there are people like that, but it's un more unusual it than is. it was 100 years ago. Definitely. Definitely more than, than 200 years ago. What is what is the American literacy rate like? It's probably very, very high. Yeah. And it's not so high in other countries, but the, what we're talking about, the prevalence of what's called dyslexia, this developmental disability, quote unquote, um, is is worldwide. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not unique to like first world nations. Or, yeah. Or, you know, it's 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 all over the place. So I want to float the idea in your head, right? That dyslexia, in a sense, didn't exist mm -hmm. as a disorder, right? Until reading was widespread. Yes. Right? I also want you to take your basic knowledge about biology and without even going into to hardcore genetics, thinking about, you know, deleterious genes are not passed on. Mm -hmm. So there must so, be a reason that dyslexia is so prevalent. There must then. be a reason that dyslexia is so prevalent. And that's one of the things I want to explore with you um, in our conversation today. Um, when we talk about these things. Now, one of the fundamental things about dyslexia is the, the brain of people with dyslexia, right? Mm -hmm. is, it does process information a little bit differently mm -hmm. than the brains of people without dyslexia. Right. right? They, and people have been studying this for a long time. I mean, like I mentioned in 1896, this guy Pringle Morgan wrote about it. Um, there's been a lot of research over the many, many years. A lot, there's a lot of theories about it. Uh, one of the most prevalent theories uh, that I was trained on when I was, when I was your age um, had to do, with, uh, I think it had a weird name, something like the magnocellular deficit hypothesis. Interesting. We're, we're not, we're, we don't have to go into <sighs> that. But it, 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 so there's been, there's people have been looking at sort of the neurobiological aspects of the dyslexic brain. Okay. Now, I don't want to I'm not I don't want to turn this into a neuro lecture. I want to keep it a little bit more um, applicable to that. People have talked about, you know, um, pathways or networks between the cortex and the cerebellum that are involved in dyslexia. We'll talk a little bit about those things, but I want it, what the main emphasis of what I'm going to try to do today is try to give you sort of an evolutionary context mm -hmm. for thinking about dyslexia from sort of a neuroscience side. Right. It says something that is that prevalent in the population, is it really a disorder mm -hmm. or is it just part of the continuum of what it means to be human? Mm -hmm. Is that something to think about, Dan? Something to think about, for something sure. Something to think about. So we'll be right back with Health 411, and we're going to talk about these issues after some brief underwriting announcements. You're listening to 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. We're recording Health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios. I'm Professor Jonathan Karp, and I am joined in the studio today by Daniel Geller. Yes, our sir. Hey, Dan. <laughs> and we are having a conversation about dyslexia. Mm. Now, what's interesting about dyslexia is at one time, um, 
uh, it's usually, I mean, not one time, but dyslexia is usually identified in children. Mm -hmm. And at one time it was considered, um, you know, some things like the, the kids are not bright mm -hmm. or there's something wrong with them and they mm -hmm. can't learn. And part of that is, is one of the things that we have in our society is a learning system that's based on a certain kind of learning. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's a certain kind of and learning. What's that kind of learning? That kind of learning is you're exposed to something, often by the written word, right. and then you regurgitate it. Okay, yeah, for sure. Memor memorization. <laughs> and, and, and memorization is one kind of learning. It's certainly not the only kind yeah. of learning. But we have a society in which learning is, is you know, at, at, at even as, especially at the younger ages when you're learning language, learning how to read, you're learning how to write, yeah. all those kinds of things you do. Um, and people with dyslexia have brains that are have some difficulty doing that. Mm -hmm. Hence the definition, you know, it's a kind of learning disability that's neurobiological that has difficulties with, you know, word recognition, per spe spelling and decoding abilities, mm -hmm. right? That's the kind of stuff that is valued when you are in elementary school and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's all they teach you. And you know? what's, what's yeah, well, they, they teach you other things too, but that's a specific kind of memory um, that is a, a kind of declarative kind of memory. Declarative. Declarative. What do you mean and declarative? Has, declarative is a kind of memory that, you know, uh, if I asked you to, how do you spell your last name? How do you spell the name of okay. your hometown? You know, what's your phone number? Mm -hmm. These are things that you've been exposed to that you could sort of like regurgitate right back. Yeah. Right. That's different than a different kind of memory called procedural memory. Um, and that's the kind of memory that's involved with like, how do you ride a bicycle? How do you throw a ball? Okay. How do you, you know, which is really hard to describe to somebody. You just sort of do it. Yeah. And the brain mechanisms of these things are, 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 are very, very different. Um, but as it relates to, to dyslexia, um, if you start treating people, humans, boys and girls, because mm -hmm. it happens in both boys and girls. Is it equally prevalent? Um, I think it's pretty close. There might be more boys, but I think it's it's pretty close. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have data looking at that. You can look that up. I, I will. But um, um, sometimes the long-term consequences of sort of calling somebody stupid or bad, disabled early on has consequences longer on in their life. For sure. And some of those, those you know, nowadays people use the word stigma, but it wasn't always called stigma. But pe people can develop, you know, PTSD, a whole bunch of things that, um, that, you know, sort of, you know, oh, I just wasn't good at school. What's interesting is, is a lot of people with dyslexia actually end up being very, very successful mm -hmm. in their lives. Um, I saw some surveys that said a very high percentage, maybe somewhere between 12 and 35% of like, um, you know, CEOs or people who start companies or things like that. Certainly um, actors and actresses, people in the creative arts, um, some, some of the most creative professions. Some of these people, if you ask them, you know, what kind of student with you, they say things like, oh, you know, I was dyslexic. I wasn't good at school, mm -hmm. um, but they have a lot of success in other aspects of our and society. And you said it was 35%? Um, and some studies, yeah, wow. that, that, have, that, have, that have been worked out. Um, well, it depends who you're studying well, and yeah. things like that. But um, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, 
it, it has a high prevalence suggests that there's some value in it. Mm-hmm. There are people who are dyslexic who do not learn in the traditional ways, yeah. yet are very successful in society. So mm-hmm. it's definitely not a, a debilitating disability mm-hmm. that keeps people uh, from succeeding in, in, in just in different sort of ways. And the question is, what's going on? What do you, like from the, the way that I'm setting up, like. You, you, you mentioned before we started, you have a friend who's with dyslexia. Yeah, and this guy's smart. Like, okay, this guy so knows tell me about stuff. that. He, like, so he, he'll have problems reading and stuff. He uses like a sort of assistive technology where it reads for him, you know, text-to-speech, that kind of thing. And like some difficulties with like writing by hand. Mm-hmm. But he, get, he got better grades than me and Kem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of like you're kind of diminished in one respect, but in another respect, you're above average or you know significantly above average. And I think that's what you're talking about with these CEOs and stuff because maybe they didn't do that well in school. But, you know, now they're millionaires. So, so I'm looking at the data for uh, – uh, I actually looked up the numbers as you were talking. Um, so there's a study that said about 22% of um, – of, uh, the entrepreneurs, people who have started businesses in the United States, are highly or extremely dyslexic. 35% identified themselves as dyslexics mm-hmm. of themselves. These are the people who are started businesses yeah. and, and, and been like that. Um, and there's also been studies done, um, uh, a lot of them coming out of Great Britain, looking at students who are studying different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, very, a relatively high percentage of students in the arts um, who consider themselves um, dyslexic. And just one report I'm looking at here, where, uh, the, where's that number? 29% of students self, self-described um, uh, the Royal College of Art as having developmental dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a high percentage, 28% were in engineering, law, medicine, and dentistry compared mm-hmm. to five, you know, 5%. Um, and other things. So you're looking at something that a, a relatively large number of people have. Mm-hmm. And like you said, your friend is you know a bright guy. Yeah, for sure. He, you know, in some ways can do better in school than you without dyslexia. Yet this is called a quote-unquote disability disability yeah but he's really he's only impaired in the sense that if you test in a certain way Mm -hmm. or look for a certain thing yeah um but there's probably other things that i'm going to ask are there things that he excels at yeah way beyond you who you know i'm assuming you have not been labeled with some sort of disability no i have not but i mean he he excels with you know just thinking like thinking, he doesn't need to write things out or read things to understand. He excels at just thinking about that. Yeah, I, I, bingo, because that's, that's where I want to go. So it's interesting that observations of people with dyslexia, um, your your real life experience are consistent with this idea that there are actually the the deficits associated with dyslexia are not one sided. Mm-hmm. That if you're a de- you have a deficit in one thing your nervous system or your brain might give you other abilities. Quote unquote compensate? Well, I wouldn't say compensate, but you have you have other abilities. So it's it's not a one-sided thing mm-hmm. that the dyslexic brain is like a, like a malfunctioning brain or right. a bad brain. There, there might be, you know, upsides of, of, of you know, um, like if you don't recognize symbols so well and have trouble making sounds mm-hmm. you might your brain maybe i don't want to use the word compensated but your might brain might be enhanced with abilities in other areas it's kind of similar to the idea where if you're blind you can hear better maybe 
You know what I mean? Well, you don't see well, people who are blind don't hear, hear better. Well, they don't hear like, better. It's more enhanced. What, what, they, what they, they, they attune to it more because their brain is – that's a different thing. Or, or okay, less, okay. Dis, less, less distracted kind of stuff. Um, but what, what's happening is this enhanced, enhanced ability of people with dyslexic brains has actually been studied. Um, and in most reports is that people with develop, you know, developmental dyslexia – and it's actually – you know, which has the, the label of a disability, mm -hmm. um, sometimes are really, really good at seeing big picture things, mm -hmm. literally and figuratively. Um, and they have sort of the ability sometimes to uh, think or um, reason in um, multiple dimensions or new paths. Or sort new of thinking, thinking outside of the box. Yeah, to see connections that people who are only good at regurgitating things mm -hmm. in that declarative sort of way right. might not be able to do. Mm -hmm. you, you see where I'm going with I, that? I do. You see I do. where I'm going with this? And so that was one of the things. I have a flyer here, um, which which you were you were picking around. I thought I you did. were going to keep with you, but <sighs> you didn't. But it's it's from the International Dyslexia Association, mm -hmm. which is one of the worldwide things. It's, it's active around the world mm -hmm. here in New Jersey as well, and it's called is I mean is dyslexia a gift? Mm -hmm. Now I I'm not necessarily going to call it a gift because, but what it's saying is is the dys dys dyslexic brain just part of what is humanness? Okay. So the diversity of humanists, and in terms of evolution, what was the value of having dyslexics in society? That's the question. What, That's what the did big it, question. What, what value did it add? Certainly, you can argue, for example, like ADHD, mm -hmm. attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which we now call a disorder, mm -hmm. which is a lot of people have it. For sure. Blah, 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 blah. However, it's, it's so pervasive, you could ask, is there a, could there be, in terms of humans living in societies and groups, a value mm -hmm. to have an ADHD? Can you think of one? For sure. So I'm pretty sure I read that, well, you can reason it out too, but like, for example, in hunter-gatherer societies, when you are out hunting for food, hunting for animals, you kind of want to not be hyper-focused on one thing. You want to kind of be able to well, more so, well, we're, that, that's sort of where we're going, because yeah. that's sort of on the spectrum of dyslexia, autism, ADHD, which mm -hmm. we're going to talk about. But in the terms of the behavioral consequences of ADHD, you have people who are fearless, mm. who are willing to go into the unknown. Okay, see, right? I didn't know and that. So, so if, you, if you are exploring the forest, which is dark and scary, yes. if you're going on to like boats and sailing off to the edge of the worst, you need, in terms of human society, mm -hmm. explorers, people who are fearless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the terms of like you can say there's a there's a the, in terms of human evolution, the progression of humanness, the behavioral characteristics that we now call a disorder for ADHD mm -hmm. might have had some value. Yeah. Because you have these bold people sort of out there doing it behaviorally. Mm. I'm going to ask you the same questions um, after we take a break for some underwriting announcements. Is there a value in terms of society, in terms of the, the behavior mm -hmm. associated with dyslexia. So we'll be right back uh, on Health 411. You are listening to 107.7 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all-new Health 411, underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 107.7 The Bronx, 107.7thebronc.com. We're recording Health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios. Welcome back. 
Dan and I are having a conversation about dyslexia, and I was putting dyslexia into a category um, sort of with ADHD, where you say, in terms of the you know, evolving human society, is could there be a benefit of people who, who behave as if they have ADHD? Well, well you know what? Uh, so for, wait, you're talking about ADHD or dyslexia? Well, I was comparing it in the last segment to ADHD. Okay. I'm going to bring it back to dyslexia, and I want to propose for you that just like um, ADHD could be have some you know evolutionary value in terms of humanness mm -hmm. is why the genes for it have not been lost through right. evolution. That I'm going to propose that this dyslexic brain has value in terms of humanness because there are strengths of people um, who have dyslexia. They have uh, they tend to exhibit greater abilities in various areas of creativity. They can um, have a heightened ability to connect and carry out, out unusual combinations of ideas. Mm -hmm. And this can lead to people being successful as, as entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. like successful in the arts. Right. Because you're putting things together in unique ways. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily just repeating and regurgitating um, things that uh, – that, that have been exposed that you've been exposed to before, which mm -hmm. is what reading and writing that's that declarative that we were talking about. All declarative kinds of memory. And so this in terms of human culture, the evolution of humanness is important because there are trade-offs in people, you know, because um, you can spend, you know, time and energy exploring new things, mm -hmm. or you can spend time or energy in just rehashing what you know already yes. kinds of stuff. Right, right. You see right. where I'm going with this? I do. And so in terms of society, if you could, if you tip the balance too far in one direction, society's not going to evolve. Things are not going to change. If mm -hmm. all you do is use the knowledge that you have over and over and over Nothing's again, gonna happen. You, you, you're not going to have innovation. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have the creativity. And you see that all the time mm -hmm. because you have, the, you know, you're just repeating the same things over and over, and that leads to. You could argue, in an evolutionary sense, a failure to adapt and change. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that humans so far, so far have been very, very good at is adaptation. Adaptation and changing. The environment changes, mm -hmm. things change, humans change, they adapt their behavior to whatever's going on in the world. So you need brains, human brains, that are predisposed for creativity and sort of thinking outside of the box. Right. And, and it, you know, and thinking outside the box. And it seems like if you look and you ask the right kinds of questions, mm -hmm. right, that aren't regurgitation questions, on average, people with dyslexic brains are good at those things, mm -hmm. putting things together in unique sort of ways. And, you know, and there's more of this. You, you look at like um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, right. right? You know, is that really a disorder? Or is it something that is part of the humanness of society? Yeah, disorder is just a very relative term. Absolutely, because what what every society, right, has elements of it. I'm just pontificating here. Mm -hmm. Every society has elements of it of ritual. Mm -hmm, Think sure. of all the religions that have rituals. Yes. There are some people who get uncomfortable if you go to a religious service and things aren't done in the mm -hmm, right order. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a little OCD. Yeah. But before there was a written word, right, written, things written down about what that order should be, mm -hmm. Who remembered what order you had to do things in? The people who are obsessive compulsive they, about they, it. They had brains that were designed to remember that order. Yeah. Who remembered the order that you did things in to plant the crops? Mm -hmm. Like what was happening in the world? Right. This signal is a sign to do this. This signal is a sign to do that. Or harvesting, you know, 
whatever you're going to do, fishing or mm -hmm. things like that. There were certain people who were very, very good. Their brains had this ability to put all that stuff together, and it was an, uh, an important aspect of society, mm -hmm. right? I'm proposing that the dyslexic brain might have a similar sort of thing. Whereas if all you do is use information that you have over and over and over again, you, there's, you, you lose original solutions, you lose new solutions. Yeah. And, and we've all seen students who are very good at that especially in, 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 the, in the Department of Biology, Behavioral yeah, Science. Yeah, sort, sort of STEM in general, right? Yes, there are some students who can get A's because they're really good at that declarative memory of regurgitating mm -hmm. stuff that they've yeah. been told, right? And repeating it, you know, listen to what the professor tells you, mm -hmm. study it and regurgitate what the professor tells you yeah. on, on an exam. And you, that's one way to get an A. It is, it's, it's definitely one way to get an A. <laughs> it's not the only way to get an A. Uh -huh. There's other ways to get A's. It's about listening, understanding, mm -hmm. and giving something back, creating something new with that, that you know, putting together that kind of information. Right. And maybe you don't get the words right. Maybe you don't get the, you know, the, the nitty gritty details right. But mm -hmm. if you get the big picture thing, right, sort of the yep. dyslexic brain, you can be very successful in the, in the STEM disciplines, yes. but it's a different way of doing it. Um, and in terms of human society, there's a trade-off between sort of what you were talking about before, just like, regurgitating and doing something over and over again or using brains that have the ability to adapt, put stuff together. Um, and, you know, one of the great, one could argue, one of the greatest, um, uh, uh, the, the genesis of so much innovation in our society is the recombination of things mm -hmm. that are known in unique ways. Yes, that's how innovation happens. Yeah, yeah. And so it's possible, I'm just going to put it forward, that dyslexia is a... Um, sort of a, call it a, a cognitive specialization okay. that, that focuses the brain to sort of uh, what some people have written about called the exploratory search. Okay. Right? So you're, you're, is that just a search for it's, it's new a, knowledge? It's just a term. Not search for new knowledge, but it's a search for exploration. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like if you had an animal, mm -hmm. right, and the animal found a place to get food. If it went back to that same place for food over and over and over again, that's great. But it doesn't expand the network to say, oh, this place for food is just like that other place for food mm -hmm. over there. Let's explore that as well. Mm -hmm. And so if one place of food is gone, maybe we can get food somewhere else. Right. OK. You know, so the yeah. is, if you can put together things in unique sort of ways, um, you know, it's possible that dyslexia is a, is a specialization in sort of a global search strategy. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that idea? I think that makes total sense. Um, I'm also curious as to what exactly changes in the brain in somebody with dyslexia. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a very good thing to, to ask because obviously all behavior is based on nervous system activity. Yes. So if the brain of somebody, if somebody with dyslexia is behaving a little bit differently for whatever reason, their brains are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean bad, it just means different. That's mm -hmm. why a lot of these, the schools for people, with, they call it learning differences. Right. Right. That's sort of the new moniker for yeah. kind of stuff like that. Um, and there's theories, different theories about it. Um, uh, for a while, it had something to do, uh, I, I mentioned earlier kind of things I was taught, but it has nothing to do with visual ability. Mm. But it's like what, it's not like in terms of like seeing, yeah. like the pure vision, but it's what the brain is sort of focusing on, mm -hmm. right? It's not focusing on the minute details of like letters mm -hmm. or words. And that's why some of the successful strategies to try to improve like reading and arithmetic in 
the brain for people with dyslexia mm-hmm. involve like phonics involve you know not, so like not sounding things sounding, out it's it's not individual and so instead of seeing instead of trying to force a brain that's not it's not going to do that. It's that, not predisposed. It's not a detailed brain that's just going to see, you know, A's, B's, mm-hmm. C's, D's. It, you look for, like, combinations of things. More, You try to, try to train these people's brains to see more patterns of things, yeah. see the spaces. I mean, like, when you read, you don't read letter by letter. You see the shape of the word, and that's how well, you not, read it. Not everybody. Not everybody, not yeah, everybody. not everybody. In, in fact, um, you don't go to these things, but uh, I go to a lot of university graduations. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. And, and, and there are some people who uh, get up at these university graduations and read the names of every graduate. Right. Right? You wouldn't want somebody like me doing that. Why is that? Because when I don't see, like, it's hard, it's not I don't see, but I can see, but it's a struggle for me to see every letter in everybody's name. Mm -hmm. And if you're reading names you're not familiar with, you really have to see all the letters and be able to create the sounds for those letters. Right. My brain doesn't do that very easily. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I would be a horrible speaker Mm -hmm. getting up there and pronouncing people's names. I would love to see it. No, you don't want to see it. (laughs) Take my class and you'll see how many, like when I'm learning everybody's name, it's the same sort of thing. But there are some people who are very, very good. They have a lot of, they can articulate all those sounds, Mm -hmm. right? Not a dyslexic brain at all. Mm -hmm. They can see the individual details. What somebody with dyslexia good, is good at is seeing the global pattern of stuff. And, and visually, for example, have you ever seen, um, uh, it, it, sometimes it's like staircases or shapes or waterfalls, these like visual illusions that people draw these pictures. There's a famous one called Eschner's Waterfall, right? And what it is, it's, it's sort of a staircase that mm-hmm. sort of comes down but then loops behind and it looks like it's continuous, mm-hmm. and he painted water on it. So it looks like water is coming down. Oh, then it goes the back up. And it goes back up. Yeah, now, I have seen that's that. That's impossible. Of course. So it's, it's, it's a yeah. famous thing. It's I think the whole genre of impossible paintings is pretty cool yeah, in general. It is really cool. But you, do, you know who, do you know the kind of people that um, are really, really good at seeing that, who are, um, um, who are, uh, who are able to detect those impossible figures more so than the average person? Would it be someone with dyslexia? Somebody with dyslexia who can see the whole picture yes. picks up that impossibility mm-hmm. much quicker than somebody who is to to, to steal a term called is cerebral normal. Mm. Cerebral normal. Cerebral okay. normal. Right. And so that's very interesting. So the person with the dyslexic brain has the ability to capture that impossibility mm-hmm. faster. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's certainly you wouldn't call that a disability. Yeah, no, definitely it, it's not. Just, it's just a, a brain difference. It's just a difference of how yeah. the brain is put together to see global patterns. I mean, yeah, we have the word neurodivergent and neurotypical. You yeah, know, there, you go. Like the there you go. Politically correct. So we'll come back, and we are going to continue our conversation about dyslexia on Health Four One One after some brief underwriting announcements. You're listening to 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. There's no appointment needed for this doctor's visit. Now back to the all new Health Four One One under. Written by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. 1077 The Bronx, 1077 thebronkcom We're recording Health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. I'm Professor Jonathan Carpen, and Dan and I are having a conversation about dyslexia. At the end of the last segment, I talked a little bit about Eschner's famous waterfall. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting that, um, you know, people uh, with dyslexia um, are faster at detecting even 3D rotation of objects. Have mm. you seen that? 
especially with computers now, you can put yeah. these images up and the objects turn. People with dyslexia pick up that rotation mm-hmm. faster than people who are cerebrotypical. Okay. Who yeah. Are, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so what's sometimes viewed as a disorder, I'm just saying, gives the brain other capabilities. Yes. And I think that's an important to look at it, uh, a important way to look at it. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of like being able to see the periphery of your vision more so than focusing in on the details kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, if, if you wanted somebody to focus in on the details and see that minutia, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody with a dyslexic brain would not be a good choice for that person. Mm-hmm. You want somebody who just whose brain is more able to do that, yeah. to sort of focus in on that. Um, and that's sort of interesting because, you know, the if you, you know, to be able to see more globally, more broadly, influences the way you think about the world. Um, and so they have sort of this search strategy that's just different, which mm-hmm. is sort of interesting. And, and that plays into some of the different things about learning, what people, the psychologists and neurobiologists, know about learning that I, we touched on in one of our earlier segments. Mm-hmm. What I was saying was there's a lot of learning that involves sort of um, uh, just, I'm going to call it regurgitation mm-hmm. or re-representation of what you saw, that, and that's called declarative memory. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that kind of declarative memory involves certain kinds of brain circuits. Mm-hmm. It involves like the hippocampus and okay. some of the associated circuits. There are other kinds of, of, of memories, that learning that, that's out there, that are called um, like non-declarative memories. These non-declarative memories involve different brain mechanisms. Mm-hmm than the declarative memories. They involve things like the basal ganglia, more of the cerebellum, mm-hmm. more of these pathways or the connections between things that have been associated um, with uh, dyslexia mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's, it's sort of, um, I find that I find I find that so, sort of fascinating. You're looking at me like you want to say something, then. I uh, <laughs> was I. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying that, that what I read is that the region in between the temporal and parietal lobe seems to be enhanced in people with dyslexia. I don't know how true that is. Um, well, that th- those but are what, those what, are well. Okay, sort of what, so, what is that associated I, with? People use those words like temporal parietal lobe. Those are brain generalized brain regions okay. that take up like so much brain space mm-hmm. that those kinds of do you know how actually the little history of the lobe you know why there are you know the, the lobes of the human brain why yeah like why do they exist yeah why are they named what they do and oh, where I they have are no idea well they're named for the bones that sit on top of them oh like the pride yeah okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's the that only reason so it has nothing really to do with the functionality or what's what the brain is doing underneath those regions mm-hmm. so you can talk about like in a generalized sort of really like temporal lobe structures you know okay but, but it's there's there's so much stuff buried in there mm-hmm. that it's really hard to f- narrow down about what's going on so some of those things when we talk about the non-declarative memories involve like you know the basal ganglial parietal cerebellar structures um, the, and their connections with the frontal lobe mm-hmm. those sort of those sort of classic left if you're looking at the left lateral surface of the brain, those sort of language areas are all are okay. all part of that. Yes, but it's 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 yeah. So have we found anything specific, like um, a specific brain y- region? There, but it's it's not about. See, that's old think in terms of neuroscience. All oh, right, because now we talk new, about new now. think is all about. It's not about brain regions specific to different things. It's all about how 
brain regions connect to other brains. It's called mm-hmm. the connectome. Mm-hmm. Remember that word? Yeah, last, it's, last radio it's, show. Last radio show. But it's, it, oh, but it's about the connectome. It's not, this is the brain region responsible for X behavior mm-hmm. or X ability kind of stuff. It's how do things connect to each other. Now, that is definitely related to the neurobiology of those regions. Mm-hmm. And there's some evidence that you know, if, if these regions are going to process sensory information a little bit differently and see the global thing instead of the details, mm-hmm. and some people think it, there are these columns and cortex, there's, there's layers of cortex and there's columns of cortex mm-hmm. that go down these layers and how many connections they have to adjacent areas. Now, people look at that in terms of dyslexia. Right. It's way beyond what we want to talk about here. So there is an anatomy that people are dissecting. Um, but what it really is in terms of processing is that you take people who are maybe less efficient in you know one kind of learning um, but are better in a different kind of learning um, uh, I'm just I'm just sort of pointing out so it's 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 sort of a neat thing so um, there's like a give and a take mm-hmm. about dyslexia and so the idea of calling it like a disability that's kind of an old old it's an old, old thing. it's really it's really a learning difference mm-hmm. right and in the world of humanness there are humans who have Humans have cerebral diversity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, some humans are very good at some things, bad at other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and by definition, it means their brains are a little bit different. You know, people who with, with d- dyslexia, you know, in, in many studies, outperform people without dyslexia in terms of divergent thinking, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes divergent thinking is good because it creates new opportunities. It creates business. It yeah, creates- I mean, I think, it's oft- I think it's way more often a good thing than a bad thing. You know, well, it's, well, it's, well it's, it's just a thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, we live in a society that sometimes takes these children who say, oh, you're not good at reading. You must be stupid. Mm. That's a horrible thing to do yeah. to, to a child. Ruin a kid's self-esteem. You know, that lasts for years. Yeah. And, and you know, you actually have children with PTSD-like symptoms mm-hmm. about going to school because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody is you know, it's horrible when a teacher does it or if they have peers in the classroom who are doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, as a society, we've gone away from people sort of accepting cerebral diversity is you want people to behave all the same. Yeah. And and you see that even at other level, levels about, you know, with people with certain beliefs to think all people have to do this, mm-hmm. all men have to do this, mm-hmm. all women have to do that, instead of understanding that, you know, cerebral diversity is a normal part of what humanness is. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the history of humanness, there's probably always been people with now what we call dyslexia. Mm-hmm. There's probably always been people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. There's probably always been people with autism. There's probably always been, uh, keep going. There's always Just been transgendered going, yep. people. There's always been, you know, g- good athlete people. There's always been sort of nerdy, introspective, yeah. myopic people. There's, and it's all part of the cerebral diversity um, of humanness. And, 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 and that's that part is, of the driving force of, you know, why we're like, you know, the apex predator of the world, right? Yeah. And, and why is that so? Because we can adapt. Mm-hmm. We can take what we knew before and apply it in new ways. We can innovate. Right. And the, and it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of cool, you know, and going back to where we started, you have something that's somewhere between, you know, 10, 25, you know, five to 20% of the population have some form, some degree of dyslexia. Mm. That's a huge amount. Yeah. To just call it a disorder and dismiss it as if something was wrong. I would like to look at it as it's part of humanness. It's yeah. part of the normal cerebral diversity, which I think is sort of cool. For sure.
Yeah. Are we the only animal that has different critters that was different kinds of spe- like specialization? Oh, definitely not. No. What are some others? <laughs> um, ants. Great, great That's example. That's a pretty good example. Yeah. Ants have different members of the colony that take on different roles in the society. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, the, 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 you know, the queen, I don't know, the queen ant the queen d- ant, yeah. doesn't look at the worker ants and say, oh my God, you're, <laughs> you're just a worker. You're, dis- you're just you. a worker. Right. You know, it's sort of, you, if you look at the specialization in human behavior, you can say, you know, humans as part of the animal kingdom, you know, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we would be better served as society if we said, you know, some people are good at these things. Some people are good. At other, you know, we don't know. It's it's politically damaging to say you want to track humans like in elementary school. Yeah, to put that's them in not, that's not going to be very popular. You're not allowed to do that. But that is sort of a social construct mm-hmm. that is created out of, you know, stigma and people being upset or, yeah. you know, mistakes being made and some things like that. Um, you know, so I'm just I'm just putting it out there and saying, you know, dyslexia is a neurodevelopmental thing mm-hmm. it's related to brain states for what we're talking about um, I am hesitant to call it a neurodevelopmental disorder because I think it just creates brains that are different it gives people different kinds it's of disorder. it's kind of like a negative negative connotation when you call something a yeah, disorder a- a- and absolutely. there's really there's really nothing you know there's nothing more negative about it than somebody quote-unquote neurotypical you know yeah <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with being neurotypical. Oh, for sure. But no. being neurodivergent is okay, too. Yeah. But if you take away the assumption of pathology, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that goes with a pathological way of thinking goes away. Yeah. Now, do you want people with dyslexia? Do you want to try to teach them the skills necessary to be able to read? Absolutely. Yeah. But but the, the strategies are different mm-hmm. than the strategies for learning how to read for somebody who's more neurotypical. Right. Right. And what I'm saying is sort of that the, 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 the dyslexic form of cognition is just part of the, you know, evolution. It's part of the evolution of humanness, mm-hmm. which is actually a cool thing. Call, call it the human experience. Part of the human experience. Right. And and I'm not I'm not making this up. So a one way of looking at this is um, don't ask what the dyslexic brain can't do. Mm-hmm. Ask what it can, can do. what it can do. Right. And there I know there are educators who who think this way in, in the dyslexic learning community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage the people listening to this program to to look at it that way. Don't ask what the dyslexic brain can't do. Ask what it can do mm-hmm. and take advantage of those things and use those things um, in, in, in positive ways. Make Sounds sense? good to me. Yeah, cool. for sure. Unfortunately, Dan, we're running out of time. This is 1077 The Bronx, 1077thebronc.com. We're recording Health 411 from the Digital Bronx Studios. Thank you for listening. This program is part of Capital Health and Rider University's efforts to bring people together to address issues associated with all aspects of health and healthcare. We hope today's conversation that Dan and I have had helps inform you about dyslexia and thinking about dyslexia in, in, in unique ways. If you have common, comments and or questions about this program or want to make suggestions for future broadcasts, please email us at health411 at rider.edu. Remember, you have a doctor's appointment scheduled for every Sunday at 10 a.m. Don't miss the all-new Health 411 with Dr. Jonathan Karp and our expert medical guest from Capital Health. You can listen to Health 411 anytime on demand. Go to 1077thebronc.com health411 to listen to past episodes or 
or tune in every Thursday at 9 a.m. to hear the Weekend Rewind edition of Health 411. Health 411 on 107.7 The Bronx is underwritten by Capital Health, Minds Advancing Medicine. Capital Health is the region's leader in providing progressive quality patient care with exceptional physicians, nurses, and staff, as well as advanced technology.